And you're on right now with Jim Dawes on the Mojo Five O Radio Network. Your daily journal of news, politics, and culture. From an America first perspective. Streaming live on iHeartRadio and available on demand. As a podcast on iTunes, TuneIn, Spreaker, and Spotify. And you can follow me on Twitter at right now Jim Dawes. Or shoot me an email. The address is rightnowjimdaws at gmail.com. And if you've got something you want to get off your chest, you can call the vent line at 772-245-0750. That's 772-245-0750. So... On Friday evening, the President of the United States issued two pardons to uh, uh, two Army Rangers, both of whom had been accused of war crimes. He also restored the rank of um, Navy SEAL uh, Gallagher, who had been acquitted of uh, committing murder in Afghanistan. Now, uh, you know, this situation, uh, you, you, take, you take military members and you send them into life-or-death conflicts where uh, they're not only fighting for their own lives, but the lives of their uh, fellow soldiers and sailors, airmen. And uh, basically what these cases expected are these guys to conduct themselves Absolutely perfectly. Now, in the case, uh, in one of the cases, um, his name is Lawrence, he was uh, convicted and sent to Leavenworth for 19 years for mistakenly issuing an order to fire against uh, three uh, Afghans that were approaching his, his troops on motorcycles his name is army lieutenant clint lawrence they sent him to jail for 19 years uh convicted him of second degree murder because he had ordered the uh his his platoon to fire on these motorcycle riders that were approaching his unit back in 2012 in another case um i think his what was his name uh Uh, let's see. His name was Duggins. No, that's not right. Goldstein. Uh, Goldstein was um, in a, a unit. He's a Green Beret in Afghanistan. Special uh, Third Special Forces Group, who had captured a, a Taliban bomb maker. Uh, and then uh, they released the Taliban bomb maker to their Afghan counterparts, their Afghan military counterparts, who instead of uh, keeping him in custody, as was agreed, released this guy. And uh, Goldstein was afraid that uh, the guy was going to go back to his bomb-making activities and kill members of his uh, his unit or other uh, army units and so he went out in town and killed this uh, this bomb maker now both of these cases you could quibble 
with whether or not uh, these guys acted correctly, but you can't quibble with whether or not they acted honorably. They were both doing what they thought were, were was best in a very difficult situation. And, and in exchange for that, the Army turned around and prosecuted them. Uh, Goldstein had not yet gone to trial. He, he had been um, actually... They've been working up trying to bring him to trial for uh, a long time. I think it's uh, almost seven years. And in um, in Lawrence's case, uh, they they took him to trial, tried to get a first-degree murder charge on him, uh, got a second-degree murder conviction, sent him to jail. He served seven years of his 19-year sentence when the president pardoned him. Now, you can agree or disagree whether or not these guys had, um, you know, conducted themselves correctly, but you can't really, when you look at their cases, determine that they were acting uh, with malice or, you know, purposefully. They were in a very tough situation and they did what they thought was best. And over the weekend, you would have thought that President Trump had, uh, pardoned, you know, one of those uh, Nazis that were doing the medical experiments. They were absolutely apoplectic in the left-wing media that the president had pardoned these two guys and restored their lives to them for for doing what they thought was best in a very tough situation. Even old Joe Biden couldn't restrain himself from uh, coming out and condemning uh, the president for for these pardons. He said, um, and went took to Twitter and says, Trump's intervention in the military American military justice system to pardon service members accused or convicted of war tri- crimes betrays the rule of law, the values that are make our country exceptional, and the men and women who wear the uniform honorably. He is not fit to command our troops. So Joe Biden, running for president of the United States, apparently not that familiar with the details of either of these men's cases takes to Twitter and tries to politicize it and basically dumps all over the pardon that returned these men to their families. One of them after having served seven years for his mistake, if you want to call it that. And, uh, and the other for doing basically what we sent him over there to do. He went out and he, he neutralized a threat to his unit, Goldstein. And Biden talks about he is not fit to command our troops. Well, I would argue that anybody who wants to be commander-in-chief, who tries to politicize what is a normal and uh, perfectly uh, reasonable use of his presidential pardon authority, is not uh, not fit to command our troops like Joe Biden did. Now, this is the same Joe Biden who was in the administration under Barack Obama that pardoned Bradley Manning. Bradley Manning had been sentenced to 35 years for, for basically being a traitor and leaking 
he was responsible for the largest leak of classified information in the history of military intelligence. He was, uh, obviously, I mean, when you look at the history of his case, he was a, a mentally unstable um, guy who was assigned to a U.S. Army intelligence unit, and he had access to all sorts of classified information. He took it out on a thumb drive and leaked it to Julian Assange and WikiLeaks, who promptly published like a quarter million U.S. military uh, and uh, diplomatic classified messages, which no doubt got uh, people killed and, uh, and was sentenced to 35 years. And then Barack Obama went in and commuted his sentence after seven years and released him. Apparently, I can see no other reason because he had become a transsexual. He had declared himself a woman, Chelsea Manning. And now, you know, that same Chelsea Manning is running around uh, making a um a, a big show of opposing this president there was there was no re- Bradley Manning in any other normal time would have been hung for his his um treason he was a US military intelligence officer that actively um betrayed his duty and released was responsible for the largest release of classified information in history. 35 years was a, 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 a small sentence for what he did. But that wasn't enough because he decided he was no longer a man and he became a woman and became part of the uh, Democrat constituency. Barack Obama uh, released him after just seven years. He served... Uh, just about the same amount of time that uh, Lieutenant Lawrence served for mistakenly uh, ordering his troops to open fire on an approaching group there in Afghanistan. Also, you've got the case of Bo Bergdahl, a, a deserter, from Idaho, uh, serving over in Afghanistan, who left his unit in the middle of the night and went out and gave himself up to the uh, the, Afga- uh, the uh, Taliban. I think his intention was to join the Taliban. They used him as a, um, a, a prisoner. And ultimately, Barack Obama swapped four or five very high-value uh, Taliban fighters who had been taken off the battlefield to get Bo Bergdahl back. Bo Bergdahl was uh, then tried for desertion and um, and dishonor, uh, um, misconduct before the enemy. And this this uh, courts martial released him because they said he had suffered enough already because he had been in the custody of the Taliban for five years. The same Taliban that he turned himself over to. Barack Obama traded high-value targets to get Bergdahl back, you know, and and I might not have had a problem with that had I not 
had I known that uh, the military justice system was not going to release this guy without serving any additional time. But uh, it was just the fact over the weekend watching the the um, the media melt down, and you know, I guess everything that Donald Trump does, they have to they have to uh, it has to be bad. They have to figure out a way that. Uh, it is, uh, you know, wrong, and they they spent their weekend condemning Trump for pardoning Lieutenant uh, Lawrence and and um, Goldstein for, you know, were, were perfectly reasonable exercise of presidential pardon authority, and then to have a uh, a candidate to become president in chief or a commander in chief like Joe Biden did and come out and say that somehow that undermines our military justice system. I think that just totally disqualifies him from even being considered. He's, he basically sent a message to all of our military service members that when we send you overseas in these life or death situations in the fog of war, you better be perfect. Because I'm not going to stand behind you like this president did for Lawrence and Goldstein. we got to run out to a break. When we come back, we'll catch up on the latest impeachment news. Stick with us. We'll be right back. Mojo. This episode is sponsored by Schwann's.com. What are you having for dinner tonight? Hmm, good question. Schwann's Home Delivery has a solution for you. Stock up your freezer with high-quality frozen foods like premium meats and sides, delicious ready-made meals, ice cream, and more. No subscriptions, no memberships, just a friendly yellow truck that's been delivering food for almost 70 years. Listeners of this show get a special deal. Get 20% off your first order with code YUM20. Check out schwanns.com backslash yum for details. So if you've been following this impeachment jihad that the Democrats have got going, you know that they have changed out the, uh, the crime that they're accusing the president of from uh, a quid pro quo. They're now calling it bribery. And uh, they have come to the conclusion that uh, th- their quid pro quo charge wasn't getting any traction because <laughs> they think that the American voter are too stupid to understand what a quid pro quo is. Quid pro quo is obviously Latin. Americans aren't unfamiliar with the use of you know Latin terms. Um, there are a lot of there's a lot of Latin used in uh, legal terminology and scientific terminology, but, uh, the Democrats determined that, um, you know, it just wasn't getting any traction because those people out in flyover country are just too stupid to understand what a quid pro quo is. So from now on, we're going to call it bribery. And, uh, what's really interesting about this is the way they settled on, you know, what they're going to accuse the president of wasn't by examining the the actions of this case or the circumstances, they did it uh, because they conducted focus groups. They used their pollsters. 
to get a group of uh, voters together and determine which crime that they could charge him with that would be the most understandable and have the greatest impact on public, uh, the public's perception. So, uh, you know, just the idea that uh, they're, they're going to do away with the quid pro quo because they don't understand it uh, gives you just a little bit of insight into what they think about American voters, but or and even more so about the process here. This is not supposed to be about, you know, uh, public relations. It's supposed to be about a dispassionate uh, uh, review of whether or not the president had violated his oath of office. Here's old Representative Sean Maloney, Maloney Baloney, talking about the quid pro quo. Uh, what we're talking about here is that the president of the United States used taxpayer funded military assistance to pressure a foreign leader to help him in his reelection campaign. That is solicitation of a bribe. And that is an impeachable offense listed in the Constitution. The solicitation of a bribe, an impeachable offense. Do you think that the founders had in mind uh, the president using any any foreign aid that our country would give in order to get something in return? Or do you think what they meant by bribery is somebody paying the president for doing something? The The Democrats are trying to stand the, uh, the impeachment standard on its head. It's no longer uh, did somebody bribe the president is impeachable, it's the president bribed somebody else, in this case a foreign uh, president, in order to get things that were perfectly within the national interest. One, to make sure we get to the bottom of what happened in 2016 with the foreign interference by Ukraine in our elections. And two, the corruption of a former pres- vice president of the United States who is now one of the leading candidates to be the next president of the United States. Don't you think that the American voter needs to know what's going on there? So the the Democrats are basically saying, well, we're not allowed to set any conditions on our foreign aid. They keep framing it. Oh, he was trying to get help with a political campaign. Well, it, you know, it, it might have uh, prevented Joe Biden from, you know, uh, doing well in the primaries. And if that were the case, because of his corruption in the Ukraine, don't you think that that's something that the voters need to know? It wasn't going to, uh, well, it's all right. I mean, just, just the, the, the obvious and blatant corruption that, uh, Joe Biden and his son engaged in has already basically tanked Biden's um, campaign. He's now, I think, number four in Iowa and number three in New Hampshire. We're going to talk a little bit later about the latest developments in the Democrats' um, uh, nomination. But the the founders never intended for uh, this to be called bribery. But you know the Democrats, they've uh, they they've been infected with this Trump derangement syndrome, and they really can't think straight. This is uh, one of the uh, representatives, Democrat representatives from Nevada, which is one of the early primary states, speaking at her state convention. 
Our caucus is so important. It's the first step to getting this. Our caucus is so important. Our caucus is so important. It's the first step to getting this con artist out of the White House. You know, frankly, I think the House is going to do it, and I'd like to impeach the bastard right now. I'd like to impeach the bastard right now. Oh, uh, Devin Nunes was out at his uh, Democrat convention in California. Now, this is the guy that's leading the impeachment effort, chairman of the House Intelligence Committee, who's determining what witnesses can be called, what questions can be asked. He's acting as a prosecutor and judge. And I guess he's, you know, uh, he's... He's going to continue that this week, but here he is at his own state convention. We will send that charlatan in the White House back to the golden throne he came from. And you know why? Because we vote. How do we build another? Yeah, he's trying to uh, he's trying to qualify his statement there. So the guy that's supposed to be a, a, an unbiased um you know chair of this impeachment committee he's going back home to california saying we're going to send this president back to the golden throne where he came from this is uh i mean we've we've allowed the democrats to put probably um the most despicable a political actor in Washington, D.C., as the head of the guy that's trying to in, in, conduct this impeachment coup. How long is this Nunez clip? Here's uh, here's Devin Nunez commenting on these diplomats that were trooping up to the hearing room last week and what's really behind their motivations. Uh, we understand there's a policy disagreement. This people in the State Department didn't like that the president had a special envoy. He didn't like that the EU ambassador was was going over to Ukraine. They didn't like that that Rudy Giuliani was investigating what was happening in Ukraine. But tough, tough luck. Tough luck. The president sets foreign policy. Uh, he sets how he conducts that foreign policy. And he had no faith in the, the diplomats in uh, the embassy in, in Kiev that had become known as Clinton campaign headquarters during 2016. What's happened here is, is that you have a, lot of, uh, have a lot of their members that are, I think, uh, I don't want to label people, but they're product of the 60s, late 60s, early 70s. And they have Watergate fantasies. They have Watergate fantasies, and the, uh, the the media is all infected with Watergate fantasies. Do you know that the Democrats have tried to impeach every Republican president for the last 50 years? It started with Richard Nixon when, uh, you know, Nixon's campaign did engage in wrongdoing in a, a, a G. Gordon Liddy-led break-in of the Democrat National Committee, and then uh, uh, Nixon got caught up in the cover-up and had to resign but every republican president since then the democrats have tried to mount an impeachment effort against and they think they've got their great white whale this time oh ahab is after the great white whale that is donald trump
think it's all falling apart, but we're going to catch up with uh, Ambassador Jovanovic's testimony. When we get back from these messages, you're going to hear two commercial messages, and then we'll be right back, right here on Right Now on the Mojo 5 Radio Network. Stick with us. This episode is sponsored by Schwann's.com. What are you having for dinner tonight? Hmm, good question. Schwann's Home Delivery has a solution for you. Stock up your freezer with high-quality frozen foods like premium meats and sides, delicious ready-made meals, ice cream, and more. No subscriptions, no memberships, just a friendly yellow truck that's been delivering food for almost 70 years. Listeners of this show get a special deal. Get 20% off your first order with code YUM20. Check out schwanns.com backslash yum for details. Whether you have your own bathroom or you share one with your family, a little extra help keeping the bathroom sink, counter, and mirror clean goes a long way. And Viva paper towels are for the long haul. They're two times more durable when wet compared to the leading value brand. And they clean like cloth, helping you keep the surfaces in your bathroom dry and fingerprint and toothpaste free. For an exceptional bathroom clean, there's Viva paper towels. Visit vivatals.com to learn more. And you're back on Right Now with Jim Dawes on the Mojo 50 Radio Network. Your daily journal of news, politics, and culture from an America First perspective. So also last Friday, uh, the Democrats called to their impeachment jihad that uh, Adam Schiff is running. Former Ukrainian ambassador Maria Yovanovitch. And um, she had been ambassador in Kiev um, during the 2016 presidential campaign. Uh, and a lot of um, <laughs> suspicious activities uh, that went on at the American embassy in Kiev uh, are now coming to light. And, uh, of course, Donald Trump had no faith in her and uh, <clears throat> and had, you know, um, appointed his own special envoy uh, to to go look after his interests in the Ukraine and, uh, and ultimately ended up firing uh, Miss Jovanovich, who came to the hearing uh, on Friday to tell everybody how wrong she was and how unfair it was that Donald Trump, uh, you know, wanted his own person that he had confidence in in the Ukraine uh, when we were about to give them $400 billion U.S. taxpayer dollars in military aid. And so uh, she testified for five full hours about how wrong it was for President Trump to have fired her. She had no knowledge of this uh, this controversy at question, whether or not uh, Trump engaged in a quid pro quo or bribery or, or extortion, you know, by uh, asking for something in return for the $400 million that uh, America was about to hand over to his country, both of which were perfectly in the national interest that the Democrats are arguing, well, this would benefit Trump. Well, if it would benefit the United States, 
benefiting Trump is uh, is you know secondary to that, as far as I'm concerned. And uh, you know, she went on and on about how her feelings were hurt. The Democrats were desperately trying to get her to cry. Uh, according to reports, she cried when she gave her deposition down in in Schiff's Star Chamber, and they were you know trying for all of their testimony to get her, get her to say how uh, hurt she was. She's supposed to be a tough U.S. foreign policy or a U.S. foreign service agent, uh, but, you know, getting fired from her job or recalled by Washington was supposed to, you know, reduce her to tears. And, uh, you know, I, you kept, I kept watching this thinking, well, what has this got to do with uh, Donald Trump's supposedly impeachable offenses? And then the, the Democrats got very excited because during Jovanovich's testimony, I guess Donald Trump was watching it and got bored, so he, he sent out a tweet, and, uh, and Adam Schiff uh, seized on the moment to actually read the tweet to Jovanovich I don't have the tweet in front of me, but basically what it said was uh, every every place that Maria Ivanovich was posted went bad, and he cited some examples, and then Schiff read it to her and asked her if she thought it was intimidating. <laughs> not insulting, not offensive, but whether it was intimidating that the President of the United States was, while she was testifying against him and trying her best to be you know, part of this effort to remove the president, he had said something bad about her on Twitter. Here's a, here's a Bush appointee. The Bush appointees can always be counted on to uh, say something bad about this president. Uh, he was appearing on CNN and talking about this tweet. Now, look, I, I think the Democrats would be on a lot firmer ground here if they wouldn't want to continue to try to impeach the president over his tweets. That doesn't make it tactically smart. I mean, it was I think this testimony could have come and gone Friday without much notice, frankly, had he not elevated. Uh, but putting that it certainly the was the highlight or the low light of the day. I mean, yeah. I think but, that's but putting it in the articles of impeachment uh, strikes me as is a is a massive overreach. Yeah, they uh, uh, Jake Tapper said, well, the Democrats are going to have to add this tweet to their articles of impeachment because as the woman was testifying against him that he hurt her feelings, he went and hurt her feelings again. You know, this, uh, this Republican counsel uh, for the GOP, his name is Castor, what a massive waste of time. This guy, it seems like he wandered in off the street and uh, is trying to catch up with what exactly is going on here. He asks these, uh, these witnesses questions that he apparently doesn't know the answer to. I mean, he's, he, he seems actually genuinely interested in the minutiae uh, of this case, none of which he ever gets to having any point. Now, by this time, Castor is supposed to have already participated in the the depositions that went on of these witnesses, and he's supposed to know what they're going to say, and he's supposed to ask some questions to help make his case. But like I said, instead, he seems sort of like he wandered in off the street, and he's trying to get up to speed on all of this. So at the very opening, uh, the Republicans have 45 minutes for either Devin Nunes, the ranking member, or or this um, attorney caster 
to make their case. Devin Nunes, you know, comes out pretty strong. He did, then he turns it over to Caster, usually for, you know, the remainder 30 minutes or so. And Caster just seems totally lost. Waste of time. And the guy that's uh, most effective, I've said this on this show several times, is not an actual lawyer. Jim Jordan, former wrestling coach for the University of Ohio, is the most effective um, litigator on behalf of the Democrats. I've got a long clip here I'm going to play you. It's It goes six minutes, but it's uh, Jim Jordan really distills the case down and gets to the point better than any of the other questioners, and I, I, think, uh, I think you really want to hear it. Ambassadors, should ambassadors ever try to influence host country elections? No. I think you said in your opening statement, partisanship of this type is not compatible with the role of a career foreign service officer. Is that right? Yeah. But that's exactly what happened in 2016. In August of 2016, the very month you went to Ukraine as our ambassador, the Ukrainian ambassador here in the United States, Ambassador Chali, wrote an op-ed in The Hill, said this, Trump's comments send wrong message. So the very month you're over there is our ambassador to Ukraine, Ambassador Charlie writes that op-ed. And it wasn't just that attack, as Mr. Castor was got into earlier. It wasn't just that attack on the president. We had former Ukrainian prime minister, Yatsenyak, who criticized candidate Trump. We had Mr. Avakov. I believe earlier you said, Ambassador, that Mr. Avakov was the individual who first alerted you to the efforts of Mr. Giuliani. Mr. Avakov, back during this same time period in the months just prior to the 2016 election, called Mr. or excuse me, called then candidate Trump all kinds of names, called him a terrorist. And of course, we have Mr. Lashenko, a member of parliament who was a source for Fusion GPS and now somewhat famous dossier that flowed from Fusion's work. He said this in the Financial Times again in August of 2016. When you first arrive in, in, in Ukraine, he said this, the majority of Ukrainians, the majority of Ukrainian politicians are on Hillary Clinton's side. So you had several high-ranking officials in the government, in the Ukrainian government, and President Por- when President Poroshenko is president of Ukraine, criticized President Trump, then candidate Trump, all in the late summer and fall of 2016. What Election I want to know, Pastor, when this was all happening, did you go talk to anyone in the Ukrainian government about this? Did you go say to some of these officials, hey, you guys, you guys need to knock this off. This this perception that we got, as Mr. Lashenko said, the majority of Ukrainian politicians on Hillary Clinton's side, that's not good. Did you have that conversation? No. Didn't no. talk to anyone no. in the government? Did you talk to President Poroshenko? No. Didn't alert anyone in the government? No. Well, one of the things we've heard so much over the last six weeks in depositions and, frankly, in the hearing on Wednesday is how important bipartisan support is for Ukraine. Democrats and Republicans agree they want to help Ukraine. In fact, the Democrats' first witness, their star witness on Wednesday, Mr. Taylor said Ukraine's most important strategic asset is this bipartisan support. And you would agree with that, right? I do. He said this in his testimony on Wednesday. On September 11th, I learned that the hold had been lifted the next day. Ambassador Taylor said, I conveyed this news to President Zelensky and the Ukrainian foreign minister, and I reminded Mr. Yarmouk of the high strategic value of bipartisan support for Ukraine and the importance of not getting involved in other countries' elections. So what I'm wondering is, this is the day after the aid's been lifted that Ambassador Taylor made this statement to the Ukrainian government. And he makes this after there's nothing been done by Ukraine to influence our election. Because President Zelensky didn't announce he was doing an investigation and the aid was lifted. But he felt he needed to say that. But in 2016, when we know 
that the majority of Ukrainian politicians want Clinton to win because it was said by a member of parliament when the ambassador to the United States from Ukraine writes, writes an op-ed criticizing then-candidate Trump, when Mr. Avakov calls candidate Trump all kinds of names, nobody goes and talks to him and tells him to knock it off. Did you, have a, did you have any conversations, Ambassador, with Victoria Nuland or Secretary of State Perry about what was going on in 2016 and this majority of Ukrainian politicians being for candidate Clinton and not and opposed to President Trump? No, I did not. No one did anything. No one did anything. Do you see why maybe, maybe the president was a little concerned about what went on in Ukraine? And you couple that with the corruption level that we know exists in Ukraine, uh, in, in Ukraine. You, you add to that this idea that he's not a big fan of foreign aid, why he might be a little concerned about sending the hard-earned tax dollars of the American people to Ukraine. I'm sorry, is there a question there? There was. Okay. Uh, could you could you repeat it, please? I'm asking. Time for the gentleman's expired, but I'll allow you to, to repeat the question. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. I'm asking. You might maybe we can kind of see why the president was a little concerned when you have the highest-ranking officials in the government, the ambassador criticizing him, parliamentary member Lashenko criticizing him, when you have Avakov, the guy who first told you about Giuliani, criticizing him. All this going on, and when you couple that with the concerns he has about corruption, the concerns he has about Europe not doing enough, the concerns he has about reluctance to send in the hard-earned tax dollars to any country. Mr. Jordan, frankly. I have indulged you with extra time, but I appreciate I, it. indulgence is wearing out. I appreciate it. Uh, there is a question. Our, right? our indulgence wore out with you a long time ago, Mr. Chairman. Well, I had, I'll tell you that. But I'm about to gavel you down, so if you have a question, well, I suggest you... you I'm asking her, is, is, do you think there's maybe a reason that, this was, that, that, that President Trump's concern was justified? You know, I, I can't speak for the president on this. Um, but what I would say is um, you've listed a number of actions. I, I think from my point of view, uh, that, doesn't, um, that doesn't create a Ukrainian government strategy oh, no, uh, it doesn't. to interfere in our election. I didn't say that. Mr. Jordan. It doesn't, it doesn't constitute a Ukrainian government strategy just because the Ukrainian ambassador to the United States is publishing editorials in the New York Times, anti-Trump editorials, just because they're, uh, they're par- members of parliament are uh, going on and saying that uh, the Ukraine supports uh, Hillary Clinton's candidacy. And that and uh, a dozen other, you know, the, the Democrats are all concerned about a foreign election interference. And they point to this troll farm in uh, Russia that spent $45,000 on Facebook ads. Some were pro-Trump, uh, some were pro-Clinton, some were anti-Trump, some were anti-Clinton. And then they, uh, they, uh, they insist that we believe that it was Russia that hacked the DNC, except for the DNC doesn't want you to look at that server to prove that it was Russia. But they want to turn at the same time a blind eye to all of the the election interference that was coming out of the Ukraine, and uh, and you had the U.S. ambassador right there saying that she did nothing about it. She didn't think it was any big deal. It's all it's all a double standard. After Jovanovich was finished with her testimony, apparently she had had stacked the hearing room with a bunch of her uh, State Department cronies. They gave her a standing ovation for going up there to Capitol Hill and trashing the president of the United States. And I think Trump should find out this is a great opportunity 
to identify uh, these these uh, embedded never Trump swamp creatures at the State Department. Find out who each and every one of these people were that stood up and gave Yovanovitch a standing ovation, and sh- he should fire them all. If they're if they've got civil service protections and he can't fire them immediately, he should uh, send them to a post in the Antarctic. Or, or someplace else where they can't do any more damage to the United States. They've all identified themselves as, uh, as part of the resistance, and the president ought to use his authority to fight back. we got to run out to a break. When we come back, we'll talk a little bit more about this media double standard and how they treat Donald Trump as opposed to how they treated Joe Biden right after these messages. Stick with us. Mojo. This episode is sponsored by Schwann's.com. What are you having for dinner tonight? Hmm, good question. Schwann's Home Delivery has a solution for you. Stock up your freezer with high-quality frozen foods like premium meats and sides, delicious ready-made meals, ice cream, and more. No subscriptions, no memberships, just a friendly yellow truck that's been delivering food for almost 70 years. Listeners of this show get a special deal. Get 20% off your first order with code YUM20. Check out schwans.com backslash yum for details. So for three years, uh, many of the, um, the, the mainstream media in this country, including, you know, the, the premier outlets, all the, uh, network TV uh, stations and and uh, the New York Times and the Washington Post, they they were winning awards, <laughs> Pulitzer prizes, for repeating claims that Donald Trump and his election um, campaign had colluded with Russia to steal uh, the the presidency from poor Hillary Clinton. There was no accusation. There was no um, conspiracy theory, including you know prostitutes peeing on beds that was was too outrageous or too ridiculous for them to put forward with a straight face that we ought we ought to take this seriously. And if they didn't have any proof of these facts, or there was no reason to believe them other than you know just a sort of murky accusations from people with a, an agenda these uh, these these so-called reporters and journalists would uh, put these qualifiers on their accusations they'd say they're they're unverified or one of my favorites they would say they have not yet been proven as this you know it's just a matter of time until they are proven that was the standard that the news media treated Donald Trump with well now I'd like you to compare and contrast that with how they're treating these much more substantial allegations against Joe Biden. They've got a whole new standard of proof now. We know that Hunter Biden collected $3 million off of a company that hired him because he was the vice president's son, the vice president who had control of Ukraine policy. And we know that shortly after they hired 
the vice president's son, that the vice president demanded the removal of the prosecutor that was um, investigating and uh, preparing to prosecute Burisma. We know that lobbyists for that company used Hunter Biden's name to lobby the State Department and the White House in order to drop their accusations or their concerns against Burisma. But you don't hear these same reporters, um, you know, saying that that this is not yet verified or um, it's not yet proven. Instead, they've they've changed over the words that say they say, well, well, this is without foundation. These are unfounded uh, concerns. They say it's without evidence. There's no evidence here. That's the Biden standard. It's really uh, something to watch. We know the the outlines of this scandal in the Ukraine. They keep trying to muddy it up, saying, well, um, the, the prosecutor wasn't actually investigating Burisma. Well, <laughs> you need to ask the prosecutor because he signed affidavits that, yes, he was told when he was fired it was because the vice president wanted him fired and... It was because he was investigating Burisma, and we've got videotape of Joe Biden saying that he demanded the firing of this prosecutor. Now, whether you believe it or not, I I do. I think that that's exactly why Joe Biden demanded this prosecutor be fired. But whether you believe it or not, there's certainly a hell of a lot more evidence right now than there ever was against Donald Trump. They spent $40 million in two and a half years on this massive investigation into Trump and couldn't find anything to base it on. But now we're supposed to believe, well, there's no evidence here, so we shouldn't investigate. And Donald Trump, even having the uh, the gall to ask about it, well, hell, we got to impeach him for that. And, you know, another interesting uh, parallel between the whole Russiagate scandal and this new attempt to impeach the president. In the Russiagate scandal, we never were allowed to learn what the origins of this were. were. We were never allowed to learn how John Brennan had deployed uh, intelligence assets overseas to try to entrap uh, associates of the Trump campaign and then began this FBI, Jim Comey-sponsored counterintelligence investigation that allowed them to to spy on the Trump campaign. We've had an inter, uh, uh, an inspector general going on for two and a half years now, trying to get to the bottom of that. They keep uh, saying, well, no, this is classified information. You can't release that. You can't find out that. You can't talk to this guy. Well, now in this current impeachment jihad, we're not allowed to talk about the whistleblower. We're not allowed to look at who the whistleblower coordinated with. We're not allowed to look at the law firm that's representing the whistleblower and all of their um, malign motivations calling you know, for an, a coup immediately after this president took office. 
And they somehow say, well, you know, the, the whistleblower is in danger. He's in danger. If we, if we find out who he is, he'll be in danger. This is uh, one of the little tactics that the left likes to use. Anytime you say anything that they don't like, they say, Oh, you're, you're causing a mortal threat to me. These are this, this could, uh, cause violence. No, we, you can't anonymously engineer a coup against the sitting president of the United States and avoid, uh, cross-examination doesn't work that way. Yeah. Uh, apparently this guy has secured himself, uh, immunity against retaliation or being held accountable. Despite the fact that Obama used to fire whistleblowers left and right media had no problem with that. Now they will literally pull your, uh, you off of the internet. If you dare to mention his name, he whose name must not be mentioned. I've got a clip here. This is uh, Maria uh, Bartiromo on Sunday Futures interviewing uh, John Ratcliffe about uh, about Hunter Biden and his involvement here. Especially since the whistleblower first brought us these allegations and Nancy Pelosi and colleagues wanted to talk with the whistleblower. We've got a letter here that Nancy Pelosi wrote the speaker to her colleague saying that the, the administration uh, needs to stop blocking the whistleblower from disclosing to Congress a serious possible breach of constitutional duties by the president. And yet now Adam Schiff says he does not want to speak to the whistleblower. Right. So what we keep getting are uh, parading through one ambassador or diplomat after another who doesn't know the president, Mm -hmm. hasn't spoken to the president, doesn't know what either president really thinks about what happened. And we're not hearing from the most important witnesses. The most important witnesses are the whistleblower who started this, Adam Schiff, who met with the whistleblower that got this started, and Hunter Biden, whose testimony became indispensable this week when we learned that it wasn't uh, a sham, as uh, Chairman Schiff said, to be asking questions about that. We found out that the Obama-Biden State Department was concerned about Hunter Biden's role on Burisma. We heard from Ambassador Yovanovitch and Mr. Kent, who both said they thought it presented a conflict of interest. When Republicans try and ask questions about that, we're gaveled down. You weren't allowed to ask any questions about the origin of Russiagate. You're not allowed to ask any questions about the whistleblower or his motivations or who he, who, who he conspired with. You're not allowed to bring up uh, Hunter Biden because, according to Joe Biden, everybody has already looked at this. There was nothing found there. It's time to move on. No, I don't. We shan't take our eye off the ball here. The ball is no one's, no, no one's insisted or suggested he's done anything wrong. Have I done anything wrong? As a matter of fact, all the testimony has been the opposite. No one has uh, uh, determined that he did anything wrong. Really? <laughs> he was there to do wrong. There was no other reason for him to be there. Him and Devin Archer, uh, uh, John Kerry, protege, were both. Uh, engaged in corruption. Now, whether or not Joe Biden, in fact, fired that prosecutor to uh, to protect his son and to serve his interests, uh, I guess you could say that has yet to be proven, but certainly looks like he did. Certainly enough evidence there to investigate what you call, uh, what they, they always talk about a... Um, 
a, a predicate. There is certainly a predicate there. It's no evidence. It's unfounded. Well, uh, I'm out here. Uh, uh, hell, there have been books written by Peter Schweitzer and other looking, uh, others looking at Hunter Biden's activities here. What is Joe Biden talking about? No one says that Hunter did anything wrong. And the whole idea that uh, Donald Trump has somehow harmed the Ukraine because he delayed the delivery of this uh, military aid for, for 55 days is a joke. Now, we need to hear from this whistleblower. Um, <laughs> you know, these, uh, these hearings so far have been a real snooze fest. If we could get that whistleblower in there, we might start actually, uh, you know, getting into something that would be interesting. What was your extent of coordination with Adam Schiff and his his staff? What is the nature of your relationship with Joe Biden? Were you involved in uh, in the coup in 2014 that replaced a duly elected government in the Ukraine? A lot of questions to be answered. The Democrats specialize in not allowing anybody to ask them. That takes us to the end of this edition of Right Now. I want to thank you for joining us. And invite you back here again tomorrow, right here on the Mojo 5 Radio Network, for another edition of Right Now. We'll talk to you then. Santa's dropping off way more than you expected this year. Thanks to Xfinity, the whole family can enjoy great coverage and fast, reliable internet speed up to gig, all at a great value. Go online, call 1-800-XFINITY, or visit a store today. Restrictions apply. Actual speeds vary, not guaranteed. Whether you're moving in together for the first time. This can be your closet. Or you're a new parent to a little fur baby. Viva Paper Towels can help you maintain a clean home. They're two times more durable when wet compared to the leading value brand. So they clean like cloth, helping you pick up after your new pet. In your new home, for an exceptional cloth-like clean, use Viva Towels. Visit vivatowels.com to learn more and start fresh with a clean feeling of home.